to another episode of Lie, Cheat, and Steal, the podcast about liars, frauds, thieves, and bullshitters. I'm your host, Pat Soroyce. With me, as always, my co-host, Kat Barbadoro. Hey, Pat. What's up? Nothing much. We're just here in, uh, in chilly Austin, Texas. Um, I know you guys are sweltering up there in New York. So, <laughs> Is it cold? It For is. Real? Yeah, it's like 50 degrees. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. I had to go in the back of my car and find my hoodie that I tossed back there nine months ago. You know, that I'm glad to know that because I'm gonna be I'm doing a tour in Texas in like three days, and I just assumed it would be summer weather, and now I'm like, oh shit, I should probably actually check because it is mid October. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, it it's here, man. It is here. Uh, yeah, it was like it was fine last night, and this morning I woke up, went outside, I was like, what the hell? Like I forgot how all that feels like. Yeah, I feel like in Texas, too, it's like the difference, like one day will be 40 degrees different than the next day. Like it's very quick. It's very weird. I think we have some 70 degree days coming back up on the horizon. But um, as exciting as it is, this weather talk is getting a little out of control. Uh, Are you on the road right now or you're still in New York? I'm still in New York. I'm leaving on Sunday. I'm going to be in uh, Austin, Oklahoma City, Dallas, and Houston. So pretty pumped. Pretty pumped. All right. All right. Um, Yeah. So we're here in uh, uh, Permanent Record Studios. They got uh, our logo up on the screen behind us. There's no cameras going or anything, but boy, do I feel official. Hell yeah. Yeah. Very legit. Awesome. Very legit. Um, so I was telling you before we started, today is a good guy episode. For those who listen to the podcast, listen to the cast, you know, uh, for a while now, every now and then we have a good guy episode. So- yeah, I mean, th- we do scams, but like, we're not necessarily anti-scam on principle. There yeah, are some yeah. people who maybe deserve to be scammed, or it- certain kinds of scams that that uh, make the world a better place, perhaps. Yes, and that that's where we're at today, Kath. <laughs> I, uh... So this this one is really interesting. I've never heard of, of this uh, before, so I, I was going to kind of get right into it. This actually takes place in New York, so okay. I'm going to set the scene. This one's a little historical here, so <clears throat> here we go, guys. Getting the way way back machine here. All right, the year is 1976. You're in New York City. All right, you walk to the newsstand to buy like I don't know a three cent coffee and uh, a copy of every New Yorker's favorite publication, The Village Voice. Sure. Yeah, now as you're flipping through the issue, you decide to take a gander at the classified ads. Uh, you know, it's, it's the 70s. You see ads for the usual fare. I'm thinking lava lamps, Nehru jackets, that Farrah Fawcett poster. You know, it's regular, <laughs> sure, <of laughs> regular stuff. Uh, then a small nondescript ad catches your eye in the pet section. Uh, it reads as... The village, well, hold on. The Village Voice had a pet section. A pet section of the classified ads. Okay. Yeah, it's like... For buy- people... Seeking and uh, providing animal companions. Yes, right. yeah, yeah. Funny companion. That's a weird word that we would use here. So uh, this is what <laughs> this is what popped up. You're going to see this, okay? It says, "Cat house for dogs." Okay. Yeah, uh, cat so house. It's a dog brothel. Yes. Uh, okay. It says featuring a savory selection of hot bitches. From... Ew. <laughs> it gets better. It gets... It's also the 70s. I didn't know yet. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Uh, from pedigree, Fifi the French Poodle, to Mutz, Lady the Tramp. Handler and vets on duty, stud and photo service available. No weirdos, please. <laughs> and <then it> says, <laughs> uh, dogs... Please, no creeps at our yeah, dog yeah. Dogs. <laughs> dogs only, it, it says, by appointment. So, <laughs> yeah, that's what the ad says. Now, I should mention that in this, you are Al Goldstein, uh, the owner of Midnight Blue. 
That's uh, New York's first late night TV sex show that airs on Manhattan's Channel J. Uh, okay. Yeah. So I you... can definitely see that. Like, 70s New York, also the history of public access in New York. This all tracks. Of yeah, course, yeah, yeah, a, yeah, yeah. Like, gross, weird show about sex on yeah, there. Yeah, it, it's, on, it's on brand. Yeah, for sure. Now, uh, now, so yeah, now you were certain that you had filmed every variety of perversion that the Big Apple had to offer, but it is now clear that you were mistaken. So you run back to your office, all right, and you call the number listed in the ad. A man answers and says that he would be absolutely thrilled if you were to come down and film a piece on his canine brothel. <laughs> you set a date, okay. and oh, brother, you are not disappointed, okay? Uh, your crew arrives at a loft in Greenwich Village where about a dozen New Yorkers and their dogs have gathered for what the brothel owner calls the meet-and-greet stage. <laughs> All right, making sure everyone feels comfortable. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is a lot of butt-sniffing. Uh, you know, uh, This is where, it's, where he says the dog clients meet their potential mates and choose uh, who is to their liking. So the owners of the client dogs sit around on big couches sipping champagne and laughing and talking amongst themselves as the dogs get to know each other. All right, so this is a classy affair. Yes, yeah, yeah, very classy affair. Uh, <laughs> after a short time, the female dogs are given a drug via a piece of cheese that they say induces heat. All right? Now, uh, okay. before long, the action has officially started. All right? Nobody's really doing anything, though. It's just one dog in particular that was, like, just furiously humping everything, like air, right. humans, whatever, <laughs> right? And your crew, being the disgusting people they are, waste no time. They actually get on all fours, and they film... From a downward angle, these dogs running around. It's really not, they're really actually not doing anything. They're just kind of running sure. around being dogs, but they're filming this. Right. And well, you got to, you got to get the footage. You, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you have a show to produce. Yeah. You got to roll the footage. You, I, how many times have we come in here and been like, well, we got to say whatever, whatever it is we wrote down? We have to. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So the show must go on, even if the dogs are not fucking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a sentence as old as time itself. Uh, now, but, uh, so after a bizarre day of filming, you wrap up and air the piece later that week on your show. And the city is in an uproar. All right? How dare this debauchery be allowed to take place in chaste, pure 1970s New York? Sure. Yeah. yeah people are just, you know, angry <laughs> about all this. Uh, letters to the editor start pouring into numerous New York publications from actual customers who had taken their dogs to the brothel. The reviews were mixed. Some reporters, uh, some said they had a wonderful time, and others said they planned on returning. And some said their dogs had been attacked. It was a real mixed bag. Uh, wow, as, okay, yeah. That's that's a real roll of the dice. Yeah, yeah, as I think you would get at a dog brothel. I don't think you're getting a sure thing when you walk in there. <laughs> so uh, now, at this point, TV stations from all over the tri-state area began, uh, began running pieces on the Cat House for Dogs. They bring in experts like obedient school owners and veterinarians to weigh in on the ordeal. Uh, a guy named Dr. Alan Meyer, he's the president of the Rockland County Veterinary Medical Association, decried the use of the heat-inducing drugs during an on-air interview, saying that was stressful to the dogs, which I concur. Uh, sure, yeah. yeah. I feel like that's, that's like stressful even if you're a human and you take something like that on purpose. Yeah, 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 that's exactly. Getting it fed to you yeah, unwittingly. Yeah, yeah I, I took a bunch of HGH and went to a trampoline park one time and had a very bad trip. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> jumped as high as anyone had ever jumped up. Um, so, yeah, so the uh, now at this point, the local ABC affiliate, WABC, soon seizes on the story. Uh, they produce a startling expo expose of the entire operation. 
They even managed to score an interview with the dog pimp himself. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, a man by the name. Going all the way to the top. Yeah, all the way to the top, baby. A man by the name of Joe Skaggs. Oh, perfect name, too, for someone. Hi, my name is Joe Skaggs, and I run a dog whorehouse. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, Joe was a tall man who who seemed a bit fashion conscious. Uh, He wore a fedora and a fur coat. A little off color doing a dog brothel to wear a fur coat. That's just me, though. Mm, yeah, that's uh, a little that's a little offensive. Yeah, <laughs> and even had pale yellow sunglasses. And uh, he talked Didn't about everyone in the 1970s have pale yellow sunglasses. Yes, though. yeah, the president yeah. had on pale. Yeah, <laughs> God was staring down at the world through a pair of a pale yellow sunglasses in the 70s. Right. Um, so yeah, and so he talked about all the other dog-related services available to the dogs of wealthy New Yorkers. He's like, we have a huge dog population. I mean, you could take your dog to a dog park or a dog restaurant. I mean, sure. why wouldn't you give your pooch the chance to be sexually satisfied by an experienced canine sex worker? All right, is a question that he asked the media. Uh, he seemed like bewildered by the shock and outrage that his venture was causing. It's a pretty cool wow. interview. It's pretty aloof, yeah. Um, he also looks like the prison mugshot of Tim Allen. <laughs> yeah uh okay. so uh now wabc publishes the piece as a documentary entitled it's a dog's life <laughs> it's, a, <laughs> it's a hard-hitting piece of journalism that would eventually be nominated for and go on to win emmy for best local news piece oh wow yeah yeah this, i feel like that's very cool but i do feel like new york is really like um they they have like kind of an advantage because their local news is like so, it's they have so many more weirdos to report on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, of course. like that seems like a little unfair, especially nineteen seventies New York. Yeah, but yeah, seventies New that York. That said, good for them. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it actually, it goes on. It wins the Emmy, uh, and it's instantly it was instantly regarded as a hard hitting uh, expose of animal cruelty. Mm-hmm. So, after the documentary "It's Dog's Life" is released. Uh, there's a huge uproar. The ASPCA is angry. Uh, the Bureau of Animal Affairs is pissed off. Various religious and humane organizations and even the Vice Department of NYPD. Uh, all of them called for a thorough investigation into Joe Skaggs and his truly awful business endeavor. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Skaggs himself was eventually subpoenaed by the Attorney General's Office of New York City and asked to testify to a grand jury about his involvement in the whorehouse for dogs. <laughs> I feel like there's like two things here that are driving this like public outcry to prosecute him. It's like on the one hand, definitely this is animal cruelty. On the other hand, why are you doing this? Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> like, for sure. Why would someone do this, right? Yeah, like, like yeah. wake. I guess he's. It seems like he simultaneously likes and hates dogs. Right. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's just like what is your what is your motivation for this? Yeah, but anyway. So the hearing was set for April first, and Mr. Skaggs arrived wearing a white suit coat over a red T-shirt. Uh, when asked about his actions, Skaggs unbuttoned the blazer, revealing the T-shirt, which pictured Snoopy the dog, and white letters read, "April Fools." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you see, here's the thing, Kath. Joe Skaggs was not a dog pimp. Joe Skaggs, what? no, not a dog pimp, which is a, a good thing to have your record cleared of. You know? Yeah. <laughs> wait. So wait, where did he wear this shirt? He wore it to to the grand jury. To the grand jury. Under. So he really waited to the very last minute to be like, psych. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. So Joe Skaggs is actually a conceptual artist from Queens. Okay. And this was not his first run-in with the law, 
or the press. So it, it just so happened. So it just so happened that the the subpoena date fell on April first. That was oh, I, so beautiful. I, I think icing on the cake for our man Joe Skaggs, who again not a dog pimp, ladies and gentlemen. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, uh, Joe Skaggs. Uh, just a little background on Joe. Joe actually goes by Joey. And uh, okay. Joey Skaggs was born to a working class family in New York City in 1945. Uh, he knew early on that he wanted to be an artist, and he was accepted into the High School of Art and Design. Uh, and then he later received his bachelor's from the School of Visual Arts, also in New York. Okay, yeah. So this is just like a cool, uh, funny artist hippie guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He 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 had a bunch of his friends come over, and they just uh, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. So yeah, <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, as a young man, he, his, he made his way into Manhattan to pursue a career as a traditional artist and painter. Um, he tried it. it was the, he didn't like the grind. He gained very little satisfaction from that endeavor. Uh, the idea of waiting for a gallery to show his art to maybe 100 people bored him, and he always wondered about what ways he could reach a wider audience in a much faster way. Yeah. Yeah, so the 1960s would actually grant him that wish in two very strange ways. Uh, that it would be the advent of television news media, or the proliferation of it, and the Vietnam War. Um, see, uh, Joey and his collective of artist friends were uh, staunchly anti-war activists. The hippie movement uh, was in the full swing by the time Joe was in his early 20s. Uh, so, you know, he was born in 45. By the time he was like, you know, 23, right. 24, he was the late 60s. Uh, you know, so it was in full full, full uh, uh, motion at that point. Exactly. He's like square in the, in the baby boomer uh, generation. Yes, exactly, exactly. So, he, uh, yeah, now his... Um, <clears throat> And at this point now, in the early 20s, I didn't or in the uh, in the 60s during the hippie movement. I didn't know this, but uh, you know, Middle America had a perverse fascination with the hippie movement. Uh, it was a mm-hmm. social movement that cla- a social movement they claimed to detest. Uh, but in cities with large hippie populations, there were actually hippie bus tours, where <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they just bring in the squares to like yeah, observe the yeah, hippies in the their squares. natural they, they habitat. Would, yeah, they would go to like you know, in, in, San Fran- in San Francisco, they'd go to Hyde Ashbury. In, in New York, they'd go to yeah. like Washington Square Park, and they would just get off with, you know, just beehive-haired women and uh, men in plaid and black-rimmed glasses uh, would get off these buses and come out there and just photograph hippies and take pictures near them and stuff. And it was just a a huge kind of like a, a an exciting draw for all the normies out there. I can uh, see that. I mean, like I think. People in like the early 2000s, I feel like people would do that in Williamsburg with hipsters and like people do that in uh, in New Orleans in the lower ninth ward after Katrina. Like, yeah, they were like partially going to look at the ruined houses, but also partially going to just like stare at poor black people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. There's a perverse White normies love to just like rubberneck at weird at subcultures they don't understand. Oh yeah, for sure. I just unrelated. I somebody shared this on the internet the other day. It was a uh, uh, like a news piece from the early two thousands. Oh, and by the way, the early two thousands. I remember there was a website called uh, LATFH. Look at this fucking hipster. Yeah. Yeah, and it was just like yeah, hipsters out in the wild. Yeah, it was, uh, that was fun. Um, <laughs> but yeah, somebody shared one the other day. It was a uh, uh, it was a local news piece, and it like showed a bunch of emo kids, and it was like. What you're seeing here are emo scene kids. They have bizarre hairstyles, listen to emotional music, and double lip piercings. But is there a darker side? <laughs> <laughs> no, there's yeah, not. Yeah, yeah, there's really not. They they would like to think there is, but it turns out there wasn't. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, all those people work for fucking like uh, consulting firms now. Yeah. There's no darker side. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, you don't even know they had that phase. So you go far back in their Facebook, and you're like, what the hell? 
Right. Uh, yeah. So uh, Joe saw this and just kind of thought it was uh, bizarre that, you know, people are saying they hate the long hairs. They, you know, they don't like the hippies, but here you are just, you know, just gawking at them. So right. in 1968, Joe rented a fleet of charter buses and drove dozens of hippies into his home borough of Queens. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, yeah. They called the Hippie Bus Tour, and they poured off the buses carrying maps and cameras, and they snapped photos of Queens residents mowing their lawns and eating at diners. Uh, the reaction was immediate and visceral. Uh, the people running around shouting, we're being invaded, was what they... Uh, was <laughs> so it, I'm guessing like part of the bit here is that Queens was not full of hippies. I get. Yeah, right? I think Queens was like at the time was like like the almost not a suburb, but it was like the part of the city right. that yeah wasn't it wasn't hip, it wasn't happening. I don't know if it is now. Exactly. <laughs> it's, no, I mean Queens now is um it's still like very it's not suburban, but it is like residential. But it's it's um the most diverse borough. It's like it's a lot of new immigrants and stuff. Oh, okay. So it is hip in the sense that it's where you go to get like really good cheap ethnic food, like the best, gotcha. the best like Dominican food and Chinese food and stuff is in Queens, but it's not like a place tourists go yeah, unless yeah, you're yeah. like looking for a specific like Szechuan uh, dumpling or something. Yeah, you know? I, I've been to Queens once. I, was, I did a show at Creek in the Cave. That's in, that's in Queens, right? Yep, that's in Queens. Yeah, yeah, Long Island City. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like the very bottom little tip of it. Yeah, also uh, Queens, uh, I, my only exposure to that before that was 50 Cent, who was from the south side of Jamaica, Queens. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah as, as uh, stated several times on the G-Unit album. <laughs> my exposure to Queens was from uh, the classic sitcom The King of Queens. Ah, uh, yes, yes, King of Queens. How can you forget that? And I feel like, I feel like the people Joey Skaggs was showing people on the hippie tour were probably a lot like the people in King of Queens. Yeah. Because like, that's like your classic Queens white people residence. Yeah, it was like like Arthur, the, the dad, but younger at this time. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, man. I, I, I love that character on that show. I remember at one point there was a whole episode because uh, a homeboy called him, a, he called Arthur a, de a demented little circus monkey. And that was... Uh, <laughs> pretty well, good. Yeah, pretty good stuff. And that, people yeah. are too hard on King of Queens. I think... It's funny, and also I think there will be like a movement to reclaim it soon. Yeah, yeah, good. for sure. Every time People I watched were it, I so time. shitty about it when it was on. Yeah, every now and then Ray Romano would show up. You'd be like, hey, come on, I got, I got the whole the right. games here. Yeah. Oh man. So um, yeah, the, like the the press coverage on this was like instantaneous. Like reporters made it out there. I, got, I think he took several because there's a yeah. lot of pictures and there's a lot of video, uh, and I think that it was like more than just that one day because you know there wasn't this sure. wasn't like. You know, today where everybody had their phones out and shit, you know. So it wasn't a phone in sight, just people living from the moment, <laughs> fleeing a van full of hippie, uh, hippies, <laughs> unloading into their neighborhood. So, uh, but Joe noticed that, uh, or Joey, I, I keep calling him Joe, but Joey, because that's what he goes by. Joey noted that uh, he said if his paintings could impact 10,000 people, but the news could impact 10 million people, then that was the medium that he wanted to use. So... He really started like messing with the media and really kind of taking it. And you know, people still get hoaxed all the time and still get fooled. But back then, it was like way easier because I just I just think that like the you know the 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 amount of fact checking that could go in or, or you you couldn't readily look things up. I, I I just think it was a little easier to get away with these large scale hoaxes. You know? Yeah, I think it's like sort of it it sort of cuts both ways, right? Because like it's a lot easier now to sort of propagate um, like you know, like fake news and stuff like that. Like it's, if you have like an agenda, 
it can be easy to spread like false information yeah now yeah but like because the because like information spreads more quickly but at the same time like people are less generally less gullible and less sort of like less willing to just take things at face value than they used to be because like in the conveyance of information used to be so centralized so yeah. it's like okay if the news is saying this guy is legit then he must be legit like yeah. it's, it's yeah. all you need to do is convince like the one dumb person who is trying to get uh you know segments produced for the news and then you're in then you're golden yeah yeah of course and, and uh we're, we're gonna get um, back at um, I'll, I'll mention a ABC again because they come in because ABC took the ball and ran with that fucking dog yeah. problem. <laughs> yeah, like they won an Emmy off that dog problem. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so so Joe he really started to, like use like the media to his advantage to get his, uh, right. his pieces out there. Uh, he started doing yearly mock crucifixions on Easter, uh, where he would build a decaying Christ sculpture made from trash that he would attempt uh, to then walk the 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 crucifix with the, the, the trash Jesus on it up mm -hmm. to the steps of a church. Um, he did this every year for like three years. Every time it was met with like violent resistance. Like, sure. Uh, yeah. New York Catholics. I mean, it's Queens in the seventies. I, I can just imagine there was uh, a lot of hairy chested men just <laughs> furious about what was <laughs> happening right then. Yeah. No question. But This is actually really cool. And I was like, you know, sometimes like performance art stuff, it's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. You're, you're, you're definitely throwing shit at that painting. You know, like, like I, I get it, I guess. But this was actually, actually really cool to me. Um, so they would run, and he would try to, to get the, the thing up to the steps of the church. They would run and besiege it and start ripping this trash cry statue to pieces. Right. Joe would run off and dive in a cab and get the hell out of there before he got his ass beat. And he said what he just did was he successfully reenacted the scene of the crucifixion yeah. from 2,000 years ago, casting the religious right in Queens as the Romans as they tore Jesus to shreds. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, like, I, I, no, I, this guy is this guy rules. Yeah, this guy's this guy's pretty dope. Now, I I agree with you that like performance art is sometimes really like corny and lame, but I feel like the thing that saves it for being corny and lame is if you have a sense of humor, and this guy clearly yes. does. Yeah, yeah, that that that's we're gonna find that, that this dude has a hell of a sense of humor, but that's the thing, kind of yeah. Like when you see, that's I used to work uh, run the door at Spider House when they had the uh, the, the Poetry Slam open mic, and like. <laughs> Man, it's like you're rhyming. You could have so much fun up there. It is like such a serious thing, and like so solemn. Yeah, yeah. He's always joke. I'm like, yo, this like po slam poetry makes me disagree with things that I agree with. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> like, I completely agree with everything you're saying, but also you've been doing the same poem for three weeks. I know you got to try it and get it right, but at this point, I'm just like, you know what? Maybe the patriarchy was right about you, bro. <laughs> anyway, so uh, yeah, so now in 1969, to uh, to protest the Vietnam War. Uh, he did. He did something pretty interesting. He he placed a Vietnamese nativity scene. It was, it was around Christmas. He placed a Vietnamese nativity scene in Washington Square Park, and then him and his friends dressed as American soldiers and burned it to the ground. <laughs> so, pretty powerful statement, you know. Classic, classic '60s '70s uh, performance art happening. Yeah, yeah. So the police were called, and him and his co-conspirators uh, were arrested. And there was plenty of coverage in the paper. But instead of the headline reading "Artists Protest War." It instead read, hippies arrested for littering. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Yeah, and Joey was like, he, he, he's in an interview, he was just like, I was like, man, that's that's not at all what I was trying to protest. They know that wasn't what I was trying to protest. They know I wasn't right. out there just littering. You know, they, they do that. So it was, 
this jarring misstatement of the facts that gave Joe his new and never-ending target, the American news media. <laughs> and they, and he decided he was going to plot his revenge on the American uh, news media against the, the, the just the the worst inclinations of them, you know, to not fact check. Because basically, so he walked out of the New York Attorney General's office following his hearing for the dog brothel. And he, you know, there's reporters outside and he gleefully pointed out how the media was so starved for a story that they chose to believe an obvious and insane lie. Like, of course, there's yeah. not a dog brothel. Of course, they're not giving a, a heat inducing drug to these dogs and pieces of cheese. <laughs> like, you know, it, it, it was all just his buddies and his friends sitting there like with their dogs. Right. And that one dog just happened to start humping everything. And like, right, just, they just sort of got lucky. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that dog definitely got lucky. Uh, but yeah, so, so yeah, he said uh, he was like, "Yo, had anybody done like one iota of fact checking, they would have uncovered the truth." But no one right. did. Uh, WABC, who again won an Emmy for their coverage of the story, said that Joey was just lying to avoid persecution. <laughs> like, that he really right. was a dog brothel owner and. <laughs> It is real, goddammit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's real to me, goddammit. <laughs> uh, now, I can't find any evidence of them releasing any statement to the contrary of this. So as far as I'm concerned, their official statements on the books still is that uh, is that Joey Skaggs is a, uh, is a dog brothel owner and was lying to avoid right. persecution. There's a, a detail that I didn't really quite fit into that, but... To to all uh, so all of the the reviews were completely fabricated. Of the I went there, my dog got bit. I went there, my dog got laid. All that was completely made up. He just wrote into the it editor. Was, yeah, it was all his friends and yeah. And then yeah. Uh, they had a number and people started calling. You know, would call the number and so he wanted to give it like a little bit of a, uh, an injection to make it go a little longer. So he says that what he did was they released a statement saying, "Hey, look, nobody is having sex with the dogs at this brothel. Okay, it's not happening. Quit talking about it." Nobody's having sex with dogs. And of course that 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 doesn't that's not what people hear. They hear, yo, people are having sex with dogs at this brothel. Like right. and so that <laughs> that became the centerpiece of the, the the discussion of the story for the couple of weeks. Not is this real, but are people having sex with dogs at this brothel? Like <laughs> so um Right. It's that it's that tweet that's like my my not involved in human trafficking T-shirt is raising a lot of questions that the shirt was yeah. supposed to answer. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, exactly. So. Um, so, yeah. So Joey, you know, he didn't stop there. Uh, he kept moving on. And basically he he has made a career of this. Joey's still around and he's still doing yeah. things up up until this day. I mean, we got more. We're not done. But he like he just became known for this kind of thing. And he just got some great hoaxes that I think I would say qualifies him for perhaps patron saint, uh, patron saints. We have a few patron saints of the podcast, and I would I would throw Joey up on this wall. All right, yeah. So, I mean, so far I'm loving everything I'm hearing. Yeah, he sounds yeah, yeah. great. This is like this is absolutely my shit, and I do feel like New York is such a fertile ground for stuff like this. Like, um, have you heard of? Do you know? Have you heard about Zardulu? No. Zardulu is a performance artist who it definitely seems like sort of the successor to Joey Skaggs. Like people thought that Zardulu might be behind Pizza Rat. Um, yeah, they do. They're they're anonymous and they do a lot of like rat based uh, like pranks that they just <laughs> sort of like put out into into the world in New York and see if anybody notices. <laughs> rat based. But I read yeah, the Pizza Rat thing was uh, 
That was big. That was big news. Yeah, right. For some reason, yeah. <laughs> that was like before, like the entire world went completely to hell, and we could just laugh at a, a rat eating pizza. I don't know if pizza rat would go viral now. Yeah, no, no, I don't, I don't think it would. <laughs> um, so, but anyway, tell me about these other. These so yeah, other so Joey's yeah Joey's gags. He has, there, there's literally tons. I I, I just have uh, some, some highlights here. Um, <laughs> the first one being uh, so. Next thing he did, he he started releasing a uh, he he, I don't know if he coin, if he L, like LLC'd the business or whatever, but he started a business for the uh, the uh, a company called Celebrity Sperm, and okay. yeah, Celebrity Sperm was a sperm bank specializing in donations from rock superstars, <laughs> <laughs> and he staged an auction for these samples. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is this was in this this was still in uh, in seventy six, I believe. Yeah, still seventy six. So he uh, he releases now. He 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 casts himself as the head of the company. Uh, the name of the guy is uh, Giuseppe Scagoli. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Yeah, and he releases. So yeah, a... I'm assuming he like has like different personas for each of yes, these. Yeah, he he is a character and several characters all at once. So this is the uh, the the press release for the auction of celebrity sperm. Uh, July 24th, 1976. Uh, celebrity Sperm, a sperm bank specializing... Well, sorry, this is Giuseppe speaking. <laughs> a sperm bank specializing in donations from rock superstars will sponsor an auction of its product this Saturday for the benefit of the American Rock and Roll Party. <laughs> <laughs> a rock band and several celebrity donors will participate in the auction, scheduled to begin at noon at 120 Waverly Place near 6th Avenue. The American Rock and Roll Party was recently organized with the goal of bringing more boogieing into our everyday life. <laughs> the term, <laughs> this, this is him explaining this. The term boogie means to have fun with music, more specifically rock and roll music. And the party is dedicated to the propagation of more rock and roll and more dancing for everyone. <laughs> Jimmy Carter, the Democratic Party candidate for president and an ardent, ardent rock music fan, is expected to endorse the goals of the Rock and Roll Party. Celebrity Sperm is one of the few sperm banks in the country which does not insist on anonymous donors. They have based their business on the desirability of being artificially inseminated with the sperm of celebrities from all professions. However, for the auction, only musician sperms will be offered. Okay. <laughs> in honor of the goals of the rock and roll party. He said, Celebrity Sperm expects a large turnout of women interested in conserving a conceiving a child with a rock superstar and those simply interested in conceiving a child without direct contact with the male. <laughs> That's what's weird is like of all of all the like types of people, I feel like if you want to have a baby, like you could get uh, a rock, quote unquote rock superstar to to knock you up. I yeah, feel like yeah. that's the whole thing about being a rock superstar. Yeah, instead of paying for the just buy, buy some concert tickets and a, yeah. low, a low cut shirt. And what do you know? Also, you had a great night. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Also, like rock superstars are cool, but at the end of the day, like. I don't like, like I I I don't like not the best genetics. Not stuff, the best genetic. Yeah, like like I mean like like I guess they live forever. A lot of them, not all of them, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, they're always like I've always like rock stars like are always kind of like ass ugly, but they just kind of they you know they 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 swing it the right way, you know like. <laughs> um, yeah. So he said, uh, yeah, he ended up, he was, successful bidders will sign disclaimers releasing donors from any legal obligations and the result of a successful conception. For further information, please contact Giuseppe Scagoli. <laughs> and so the day of, 
it, he, he hires a bunch of uh, – hires. He's all volunteers. He gets all of his homeboys and, you know, his, uh, his people out there, a bunch of, bunch of women, a bunch of women he knew from the art scene, and they're all out there, uh, you know, clamoring for a, a chance to auction or to, to bid on some of this, this uh, DNA. And so, of course, it draws a crowd. Uh, right. Yeah. The uh, a lot of right to life movement people showed up. A lot of uh, pro choice or the early incarnations of the pro choice movement showed up. Uh, like right to life people showed up to protest it. To, to protest it. I, I I don't know why they were there, but there was also a large right. uh, a large contingent of uh, feminists led by Gloria Steinem was there. Okay. Yeah. So also weird. Don't know what. Don't know who's mad about what. But okay. I think the, I think this would be like um your how do you put it? like your your uh you know. Women don't just want sperm from rock stars. We want other things, I guess, might, might have been her angle. But, yeah, I, I have no idea. Yeah. I have no <laughs> idea. So, uh, now, the bogus crowd, though, like I said, it did draw a real crowd. Uh, passerbys mingled with the actors as the police trying to control the group while the customers waited to be allowed into the facility. Uh, feminist picketers started a heated discussion with the right to lifers. Uh, the priest picked an argument with a police officer. There was a priest there. And when the timing was right, Scagoli appeared with his lawyer to announce that there would be no auction because the sperm had been stolen in the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this and the detectives were working on the case. So rather, there, <laughs> rather than an auction, there was to be an impromptu press conference. Uh, and Scagoli emerged, just, just scagoli head to toe. And... <laughs> It said that it had actually not just been stolen. It had been stolen and held ransom. And he read off of like oh a classic God. ransom note like with all the things. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> and this is, this is the, the note. Uh, Greetings, groupies. Caught you with your pants <laughs> down. <laughs> a sperm in the hand is worth a million in a Swiss bank. And that's what it'll cost you. More to come. <laughs> that's so good. Signed, Abby. Now, Scagoli speculated that it was probably Abby Hoffman who was in hiding sure. at the time. <laughs> yeah. So the crowd was outraged. Uh, women clients were dismayed to have lost this opportunity. Uh, there was a psychiatrist there who stepped forward to articulate the case of a young, pa a young patient who never knew her real father. Uh, a reward was offered for the return of the sperm of a rock star uh, named Norman by his girlfriend. Um, and Scagoli apologized to the group and promised there would be more sperm donated soon. <laughs> and the we're auction, working on it. Everyone yeah, we were working about. on it right now. Yeah, everybody just be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> so the, uh, the police moved in to disperse the crowd, and there were no arrests. Uh, the sperm bank, however, did receive hundreds of calls from wannabe recipients in the media and from the media around the country. Ultimately, the piece was televised on both cable and on national TV, uh, the aborted sperm bank auction was featured on many radio shows, in Miss Magazine, and in music industry trade publications. And Gloria Steinem. People are so dumb. Yeah, so <laughs> fucking stupid. Like, uh, Gloria Steinem, not knowing it was a hoax, awarded the uh, awarded the celebrity sperm bank along with Skaggs Cat House for Dogs, perpetrated the same year, uh, the Earl Butts Award <laughs> Award for Bad Taste on an NBC special in 1976 called "The Year That Was." So, wow. So she picked out the two things that, like, I'm assuming she didn't realize they were related. Well, I, th I think they did now in retrospect. And they, they won, at the end of the year, they won this award called the, the, the Earl Butts Award for Bad Taste on an NBC right, special. Right, but so when they gave that award, did they know it was a hoax I think yet? I think at this point they did. At this point it, okay. it, it had been confirmed. So they were just like saying, like, hey, buddy, that was in bad taste. 
Hell no. I disagree with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, I disagree wholeheartedly. How dare you? I'm not going to say it was in great taste because that's kind of gross, but, you know. Like, <laughs> uh, so Skaggs, uh, Skaggs did call Miss Steinem to let her know they're both hoaxes. She never issued a retraction. Uh, no, oh, so she know. didn't. Yeah, she didn't. Now, yeah. I, 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 this... Uh, this part I am reading from JoeySkaggs.com. He, he has a detailed thing on, on each one. So. Got it. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah. He st- so, no, he- yeah, so she he talked to her and was like, hey, those were fake, and she just didn't didn't take it back. Yeah, no, it just didn't, yeah, didn't take it back. Uh, now, he said that the purpose of this hoax was to satirize the possibilities inherent in our advanced medical technology. It also satirized the media's interest in sexual news items, which is true. If you Anything that has a sexual connotation to it, it, it just they, they run with it, you know? Yeah, sex sells for yeah. sure. It was like uh, in the in the wire and that uh, thing where they they faked the serial killer uh, in season yep. four, and he was like, "Look, it's definitely he's like it's definitely not a sexual thing." He just said that, and that just ran with right. it. You know? <laughs> so, um, yeah. So at this point, the uh, the hoax did predate by several years the repository for germinal choice, through which a group of Nobel Prize winning scientists donated sperm to inseminate super bright young women to breed geniuses. That was a whole other thing. So he actually kind of called that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, move, moving down the line, dude just kind of kept it up, man. Uh, he went throughout the 80s. He made it on several, like, of those, um, what do you call them? Uh, the, like, uh, the Pick the Liar show. I forget the name of the show where it's like. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's like three people talking and you have to pick which one is telling, is lying yeah. or whatever. So they asked him to pick which one was Joe Skaggs. So uh, Joe Skaggs. Right, Sk- yeah. Joe Skaggs. I can't remember what that show is called. But yeah, yeah. I, I, it's somewhere uh, deep in the, in the nose. But Joe Skaggs sent uh, a Joe Skaggs lookalike. So there was no real Joe Skaggs there. The whole time. <laughs> That's really good. He did this several times. Every time it was his friend Norman. <laughs> he would just send his boy Norm up there. He did that for. <laughs> Entertainment Tonight. Uh, Entertainment Tonight invited him on, and he sent Norm to do his interview. Um, nice. Now he came. With, so there's so many, and I recommend going check it out. I was running out of time here, but one of the ones that I thought was hilarious was in the '90s. He uh, during uh, during the O.J. Simpson trial, he popped back on the scene with a, um, a something called the Solomon Project. Uh, so in October 1985, Dr. Joseph Bonuso, Ph.D., aka Joey Skaggs. Sure. <laughs> Research fellow and founding director of the Solomon Project sent out more than 3,000 press releases to elected f- officials, judges, and law school deans. The release stated that he, with 150 computer scientists and attorneys specializing in art- <laughs> attorneys specializing in artificial intelligence, like that's so that's, there's always clues in the thing where it's like, hey, this is full of shit, you know? Right, right. Uh, he's yeah, the, if you like interrogated any of these. Yeah, yeah. Or, you're like, well, what, att- what attorney specializes in artificial intelligence? It's, you know, it's like it's just weird. But he says that they had developed a, a solution to the crisis of American jurisprudence. It was called Solomon. He said our legal system was created by guys with buckles on their shoes and curly powdered wigs. It doesn't work anymore. I am personally outraged by the fact that criminal and civil court cases are played out before our very eyes as though they were sporting uh, matches. The truth is that there's no longer the truth no longer provides the key to justice. So taking that uh, viewpoint, he said that he had made a pro, uh, computer program running on a set of supercomputers that would deliberate on the facts and evidence of a case and deliver a definitive verdict, eliminating the need for juries and radically reducing the role of judges. Uh, all witnesses, lawyers, and judges would be subjected to voice stress analysis and polygraph uh, telemetry to assure their honesty. This would eliminate... Yeah, yeah. the justice robot. Yeah, yeah, the justice robot. <laughs> I am here for justice. Uh, <laughs> this would eliminate any inequity in the courtroom due to race, sex, religion, or financial standing. Finally, there would be justice for all. 
The press release was on a letterhead designed to look like it was affiliated with New York University Law School, and it explained that Solomon had successfully retried some highly visible recent legal cases, including Mike Tyson, William Kennedy Smith, and Rodney King, and it was poised to retry the O.J. Simpson case. (laughs) (laughs) O.J.'s lengthy criminal trial had just ended with O.J.'s acquittal. The purpose of the press release was to solicit comments from highly respected legal pundits. Uh, November 8, Dr. Benuso, a.k.a. Joey Skaggs, sent a second press release titled Here Comes the Judge, announcing a 15-city demonstration tour. (laughs) Uh, He sent the third press release in 1995, announcing that Solomon had found O.J. Simpson guilty. (laughs) Wow! (laughs) Yeah, and he, he just goes on. Throughout this, throughout the '90s, and he's still active. So, just just some other things we're gonna get out of here. Things he did. He did. He went on TV saying that he was uh, selling a line of fish condos that you could put in your house to satirize gentrification. He started a militant action group called Walk Right that told, that uh, enforced uh, proper walking habits among pedestrians. Uh, okay, that one I want to be real. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, he he started in 1986 the Fat Squad. Uh, Skaggs played Joe Bones, the founder of a disciplinarian diet program where muscle men watch customers 24 hours a day to make sure they stuck to their diets. <laughs> and every year since 1986 up until this year, he has announced the annual April Fool's Day parade that has never happened. <laughs> and several news outlets report on it every year, and it just doesn't happen. Recently, as 2018, uh, Joey Skaggs um, had, and, and instead of his 33rd annual and uh, April Fool's Day parade. He actually featured a mockery of Trunks of Trump's proposed military parade, uh, with Donald Trump lookalikes carrying an arsenal of toy weapons. They were joined by North Korean rocket man Kim Jong Un, and he rode down Fifth Avenue on a bicycle with a giant fake rocket on the back of it. So he's still okay. So you know, he's maybe lost his edge. He's a lost his edge. He's lost his edge a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but I still look. He's 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 done enough. We're gonna let him do his. Trump parade and and we love him for it. Yes, he's you know he has the pedigree. So. Yeah, and, and if you're in New York, I mean check him out. He still he owns the Earlville Opera House, which is now a thriving performance and exhibition center, and uh, he also um, organizes the New York Avant Garde Festival. Uh, cool. Where yeah, <laughs> uh, and at one point at that festival, he hired a group of admirers to follow him around instead of John Lennon. I guess it's back when he was still alive. That was in '71. But he, <laughs> yeah, he owns the Earlville Opera House. They're still doing things there. Joey Skaggs. There's also a, a wonderful documentary I watched uh, called The Art of the Prank, and it just tells his whole life story. Pretty fascinating. So, uh, Joey Skaggs, this falls on your radar out there, man. Uh, you know, give us a shout. Give us a listen. We love you, dude. Yeah, we love you. You're, you're awesome. You're definitely our patron saint yes. of benevolent, <laughs> benevolent scams. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And, um, yeah, so that, that's what that one is there. Uh, guys, we have had a, a really great month on the Patreon it's really you guys. Uh, it's been signing up, and it's it's numbers I didn't expect to do. So thank you guys very much. This is going to be a free episode, but if you want to hear more, you know, stories, we do uh, you know two free episodes. I'm sorry, two episodes a month on the Patreon. Uh, you can sign up today and you know get right in there and listen. Um, we've got a lot of people coming over, and everybody seems to be pretty satisfied. So you know, please check for us on that. Patreon.com/slash Lie Cheat and Steal. Yes. A N D. Yeah, so check it out. Yeah, we'd love to have you over there. If you guys are already on there, thank you very much. You guys are awesome. Uh, Kath, you, you, you mentioned up top, you're going to be traveling here. Uh, coming up yeah, I'm, I'm not sure when this is coming out, but uh, I'm, uh, I'm going to be in Austin uh, for Master Pancake uh, the weekend of the 25th and 26th. So if you're in Austin, check that out. Um, I, have a, I have a bunch of stand-up dates. I'm, uh, 
I'm going to be opening for Patton Oswalt in November, oh, yeah. uh, November 7th, Indianapolis, November 8th, Baltimore, I think. Nice, nice. Um, so definitely come to one of those if you're in the area. Yeah, and if uh, you're in Austin on November 11th, my uh, comedy rap group, as seen on TV on NBC, a, a comedy rap group, Vanilla Presley, is going to be headlining uh, the 11 o'clock show at the Velveeta Room. That's going to be a really fun one, so come on yeah. for that. Yeah, and uh, guys, yeah, just you know, make sure to follow us on all the all the stuff. We're at LCS Podcast on Twitter. Uh, we're on Patreon at Lie Cheat and Steal Podcast or is it Lie Cheat and Steal. Podcast? Just Lie Cheat and Steal. Lie Cheat yep. and Steal. I should know that. And I don't. But guys, <laughs> thank you for being awesome. Thanks for listening to the show and enjoying it. And you guys have just been hitting us up and messaging us and telling us you like the show. It's it's just really awesome. We, I, I didn't expect this to happen like this. So thanks, guys, very much. And uh, yeah, man, uh, you know, you say follow us on all the stuff, but above all, don't get caught. Don't get caught. We'll see you next time. Bye.